following is a member of the Growler Media Podcast Network. Find out more at growlermedia.com. Ming's not unbeatable. With all his men, he couldn't even kill Flash. Gordon's alive! Welcome to Flash Gordon Minute, presenting your hosts... From Minute of Darkness and the Cosmic Geppetto Podcast, Brad. And introducing your intrepid explorer of Planet Mongo, Eric. We are at Minute 71 of Flash Gordon Minute. Eric, how are you today? Brad, I cite Section 8, Subset J, Subheader 2 of Podcaster Law. No co-host shall be forced to cover any episodes on their own unless they first are provided an opportunity to completely replace said co-host in perpetuity. I ain't doing this without you, man. Good lord. (laughs) Folks, you have no idea how much of a disaster this show would be without Eric. He keeps me in line. He helps line up guests. He really does. You, you and Jarf do all the guests lining up. Every week I'm like, who's, who's, who, who's with us today? You know, if we're lucky, we have a wonderful guest like we have this week. Uh, Eric, who's joining us again? Well, he made it back for his third and final day. It's Tim Blevins. Thank you. Yes, I, I made it back. And thank you for the review of the very important podcast law. I didn't realize those factors. And I have a co-host. I should get him to sign something. Ah. But thank you for having me back again. This has been fun. It's a lot to talk about in a small amount of time, being the minute of that we're looking at, not so much the episode. So it's great. So thank you. Thank you so much. Uh, we're really excited to have you. And I, you know, I'm lucky because Tim and I, we know each other. I was lucky enough to be on his uh, his show before. Um, and, but often, I don't know, some of the guests, I, I'm not even do a good job of checking out because I'm too busy editing the previous week's episodes. Uh, and then it, we comes and it's like, oh, I should really. And, and I ended up like doing a crash course on their uh, podcast on the week of. I, I just end, end up listening to uh, their show on the drive to and from work. Uh, we've been lucky because we just had some amazing guests uh, with some amazing shows. So it's uh, great to widen my sphere of shows that I follow. Do you guys seek out your guests? Do they seek you out? How does that piece together? Uh, both. We've had, we've had, okay. Yeah, we've had some people ask to be on, uh, and then I also go out and try to find people. So it wasn't weird that I asked to be on. That was okay. Oh, no, no, no. We've had plenty I, of guests. Who oh, asked good. Phew. Yeah. Okay, they were very polite emails I sent, I hope. <laughs> <laughs> we're at minute 71. Eric, what happens in this minute? We see the Hawk City, Hawkman City, floating up in the sky. The, the Hawkman that captured Baron and Flash in the last minute. Uh, they have brought them to Hawkman City. And uh, as I alluded to in, in the, the open there, um, we've got some, some codification that, that Baron likes to refer to here. Uh, and it's a good thing. Something like Article 17 of Ming's Law exists because it's incredible that something so specific was written that just happens to apply here. The Article 17 states that no prince taken captive can be offered for ransom without being given the right of trial by combat. And and Baron, that's that's he's invoking Article Seventeen. It's first off, apparently Baron spends a lot of time going through the law books. I first off, I just love the idea that there are all these rules and everyone has to follow because you just get the feeling that Ming makes stuff up. There's just got to be somebody following behind him, possibly one of the floating death balls following behind and just 
transcribing everything that he calls out because I could very easily see Ming saying, he's like, new law. Nobody's allowed to wear hats. Like, All right. Let me add that to the rule book. Yeah, I bet it's like a laminated bookmark kind of thing where it's like they're in their books and they can just look it up real quick. But it is it's interesting. I don't know, politics and sci fi. It's as a kid, I bet I wouldn't have noticed that necessarily, similar with the politics and Star Wars. But I don't know, it's kind of interesting that Ming does have a, a, a ruling body of some sort or, or rules that dictate how this dictatorship works. Yeah, I mean, he's got to he's got to keep all those other moons somehow in line. Uh, what better way than to have the exciting world of drafting a constitution? I know. I wish that was in here more. I am <laughs> curious about Article sixteen and prior to that, Article fifteen and maybe even Article fourteen. <laughs> yeah, sixteen is like bros before hoes. So there is. So you've read it. You've read the book, Mark. Okay. <laughs> what I love is, uh, God, Brian Blessed so good in this scene. Uh, and they do a great job of having him. And I think we sort of point out during the last Brian Blessed scenes, he's not the tallest guy in the world. He's got a big personality, but he's actually he's sort of built like a hockey puck. <laughs> Very stout, uh, but not particularly tall. He, he's as wide as he is tall. But they do a smart thing where they uh, have him standing on some steps to give him some extra height. They shoot him uh, from a lower angle to give him some extra height. And he just looks so big, so imposing. And he has got some crazy eyes in this scene. He is. <laughs> and Voltan loves every second of this. Yeah, you know, Baron reminds him of this law. And, and Voltan's like, oh, huh, interesting. You know, so this is the law. I didn't know about this. Uh, so, you know, who do you want to fight? And I'm just thinking, did so... Did Voltan plan all along that he set this up because he wants to fight Baron, or he is he just you know because he, he doesn't care about laws? Is he is this legitimately news to him? And he's like, ooh, what good luck! I can fight Baron now. He's kind of an anarchist, right? He has yeah. no needs for rules, kind of thing. I I know I like this whole scene. Him and who's the hawk? person next to him is that do they show up more in the movie i like that guy was very yeah striking that's, uh, looking what as was well. it Uro? oh uh, what was his name I'll, I'll find his name but yes okay. he's he's been in other scenes and then he appears later again also yeah i just they do like you were just saying like with his eyes and the smiles like they're very i think they're very aware of what's going on they're very playful they're, they're like toying with them and that's that's great to have in this thing that could just be you know like the i call trial by stone serious fight scene but it's like they they're into it but it's again it's 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 this goofy it's fun <laughs> this yeah. horrible death match sounds really fun yeah and his name is luro i just confirmed okay and there's just a lot of cool stuff with all the hawk people first off i love sort of the the minion guys they're really they did some birdie method acting behind oh uh, this is i'm so glad you called this up Brad. this is such <laughs> an awesome thing that i know it's yeah go ahead no, you, you describe. You're always the better describer. I just <laughs> so Baron Baron's uh, uh, he's standing there and he's bringing up this Article 17, and when he's I, I, when he says the word combat trial by combat, there's two Hawkmen in masks standing behind Baron, and when he says the word combat, they snap their heads really fast and look at each other, and there's like a goofy almost record slide whistle sound. almost yeah yeah it's supposed it's I'm, I'm assuming it's supposed to be like a bird noise that the hawkmen are probably making but it's just like whoa that is i mean you blink and you miss it and and it, you know you can never see because it it's in the background but what an awesome move oh i don't think you missed that it is it is <laughs> ludicrously there and i was gonna ask they they're dressed differently than the other bird people correct 
It kind of uh, the helmets and stuff, or is some, it all something uh, different about yeah. them? Maybe well, some of them wear helmets and some of them don't. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, that was a weird that, and again, watching this out of context as a couple minutes, maybe that's why that was a weird choice because that seems cartoon, like not even like animated cartoon, but that seems like like a slapsticky cartoon almost at, in that moment. Absolutely. This is also a great contrast because the world of the hog people. Could not look any different than Aurora, where we just came from. It's very bright. It's very clean. That's a beautiful painting that starts it off. That is, we skipped over that establishing shot of the floating city. That's astounding. I don't. I don't get why that's not remembered. Why isn't that painting in more things? Why isn't this movie remembered for that picture? Because these places do what Sin City was trying to do. Like they're doing comic strips, but live action comic strips. That's that's beautiful looking. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, it looks amazing. Um, it does remind me, though, and this is something that we talked about before, where you could really switch the home bases of these two <laughs> groups, where uh, the Hawkmen, they're so rugged, and Voltan looks like a guy who want, appreciates his own musk and wants other people to appreciate <laughs> it. Perhaps not a, uh, a regular person with shower, so there's probably a lot of... And also a guy who likes to build up a sweat, uh, both hit, you know, so he's covered in his own sweat and possibly a couple other people's. So being in this like bright, shiny, clean castle is a little weird. And then Timothy Dalton, who has so much uh, <coughs> dignity and looks like a guy who, you know, wants to be well quaffed when he goes out. Uh, you, you really could switch their home bases and it would probably make just a little bit more sense. Make more sense for storage. That's true. <laughs> great scene with Voltan. they do such a good job of he has his you know he has his great good side uh handsome guy with his great beard but they also know how to film there's one part in this scene where they sort of have a little bit of a longer body shot and he's he's barrel chested he's he's got this huge torso and these big legs and that giant beard doesn't necessarily have the the thickest legs in the world <laughs> and and also the the chest piece that he has on even like accentuates the bigness of his upper body. And I was like, huh, you know, from this angle, it looks like Voltan might have skipped leg day for the last forever. <laughs> you think that's a bird's eye lens that they're using, maybe, and just puts his proportions way out? Maybe I don't know. It, it's but it was funny. I was like, okay, you should probably. And then the rest of the scene, everything's from the waist up because he has those magnificent wings and this great headpiece and his. And Brian Blessed is doing some of the best eye acting you get in this whole movie because he's all crazy eyes with the whites of his eyes showing and he's shifting all over the place and this just great cheesy smile. It's so good. Just He's just eating up every piece of scenery he can get his, his hands on. So Volton asks him, you know, who do you want to fight? And Baron points at Flesh and says him. And the Hawkmen, they do the move again. They all smack their heads and look at Flash. They all make the noise again. And even in the deep, deep background of the shot, there's a a hawk man and a hawk woman. And they even do the next snap to look at Flash. Do you think it's an improv troupe? Maybe. (laughs) Not necessarily playing the roles but these birds are in an improv troupe because it's again it's it's acting it's it's as if they said it and then you're going to be surprised you can't believe what you see and it's great it just does that does that happen a lot in the movie because that is an over-the-top like almost like a 60s british slapstick film reaction to something yeah i mean it hasn't happened yet until this minute and now we get it twice in the span of about 20 seconds and i'll keep my eyes open but i don't 
recall it happening anymore in the movie, but I'll, I'm going to you know pay particular attention to that now for the rest of the way. Is it a bird move? Is that what it's supposed to be? This is what birds do when they hear news of death? I, I don't... <laughs> yeah, well, there's definitely a birdie thing with a lot of real, like sudden cutting head movements and, you know, obviously the, you know, the, almost like a cooing sound that they're doing. Wow, that's kind of what they're doing. Okay. But it is funny because we never got a sense of, up until this point, the Hawkmen were just guys with wings. And it's the first time that somebody was playing up as like, oh, but they're actually bird people and really <laughs> emphasizing the bird aspect, which, by the way, is great. I, I, it's just a weird time to do it almost because they've been in the movie a lot by this point, correct? I know they yes. show up at the beginning. Yep. And not everyone's doing it. You know, Voltan is still – and his sidekick – by the way, his sidekick is so cool. And he is. That guy. It's a guy who has the confidence of – standing next to the baddest guy in the room so you're gonna be fine he's almost like uh almost like the little kid next to, who hung out with the redheaded bully in christmas story <laughs> that was my laugh of uh that was very devious you know just the the, the the smirky smile of knowing is like nobody's gonna mess with me because i'm standing next to voltan nobody nobody's gonna get through voltan to get to me <laughs> okay, so it's so, kind of like a star scream of the of the group sort of so but, I, i've i've been sitting on this tidbit of trivia brad and i wasn't i was never sure when i was going to work it in because it, it's it, it wasn't a natural fit and you have now mentioned a, uh, a christmas story uh, and so i now can finally in minute 71 work in this bit of trivia so in a christmas story uh ralphie has a few fantasy sequences there's one where he fights like some cops and robbers and there's one where uh, he, 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 he thinks he's blind and he's coming back to his family. So they filmed the scene, one of the fantasy sequences, uh, where Ralphie rescues Flash Gordon from Ming on the planet Mongo. And um, the unfortunately, they, they, they cut it. The film footage itself does not survive. But there's apparently something called a Christmas Story Museum that has the costumes and pictures from this scene in the museum and the people who played Flash Gordon and Ming in that fantasy sequence, their names still make it into the closing credits. Were they wow. playing it with these outfits? No, I don't think that they were with the, the outfits specifically from this movie. Oh. I think it was more from um, comic book based. Okay. And, uh, and when oh. this episode airs, um, I don't know, maybe uh, I used to have a, a JPEG of it, but I can't find it now. Huh. Uh, from it, but um, yeah, at, at the very least, that is a cut scene from a Christmas story. That's cool. It's like that staying elsewhere shared universe thing. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah. Well, you know, um, that that would make sense because I know Little Orphan Annie, which was a very very popular comic strip, strip at the time, uh, worked its way into uh, Christmas story. So it would make sense. Flash Gordon was a very popular comic strip, and gosh, when did that? When did that movie take place? Was that the 60s? Uh, I think it's the 50s. 50s, wow. Yeah. So it would make sense, and it would also make sense that it wouldn't be from... The only reason I would imagine they would use the costumes or anything from this movie is if they actually were able to use those, and those were the only things that they could afford. (laughs) Yes, that does make sense. That's true. I I did find the photo. I'll post it for everyone in our Facebook page. For you guys, while we're talking, I'll send it to you right now. Um, And it's, it's it's the old... Like Buster Crab style uh, costume. 
That is so damn cool. And I love Christmas Story. I don't think it's a particularly... I know everyone loves it as a Christmas movie. Uh, I just love it as a movie, and it's almost incidental that it takes place over Christmas. You know, sort of die-hardian. It's like, yeah, I guess technically it's a Christmas movie, but that's not what it's about. Oh, let me see. What do we got here? No, I, that, that's me screwing up. I'm, I, <laughs> I'm trying to figure out Skype on the fly to send you a photo here. Uh, oh, does that, yeah, I don't know. Does that work that way? You, you can't send a picture. We had. Wait, do your listeners not think we're all in the same room? Did that just? Did they yeah, not know we're we in the same room? The, using we just Skype? broke this fourth wall. No, no, no. We're we're all oh, in Flash Gordon Minute. We're all we're all in Flash Gordon Minute Studios in Pennsylvania together. We just uh, we're in separate you know rooms, but uh, you know yeah, we've got the glass. Oh, and... Our backs are turned to each other. We're all back to back. Oh, it worked. Oh, or at least I'm looking at yeah because it's yeah. it's got the the quick chocolate milk kid. And a very Buster Crab looking uh, Flash Gordon. Yeah, so that's yeah. Ralphie. That's his name. Thank you. That's cool. A, a much more wholesome picture than the last one that was shared during one of these minutes. <laughs> I did not get that yeah, last. We'll, we'll one. post. We'll post those when that when those episodes air. Yeah. <laughs> the last. Uh, gosh, was that last week or the week before? Uh, it was about maybe three weeks ago, maybe. Yeah. Somebody because there was um talking a little bit about the Flash Gordon comic strip. And as we've talked about before, um, a lot of people getting tied up and stuff. And uh, one of our previous guests is like, oh, yeah, the comic strip had just a lot of weird bondage stuff. And it's like, really? And then he, like, shared with us on Skype. And it's like, there's a picture of Dale getting whipped and by another woman, everyone wearing, like, uh, Mongo wear that, of course, had bikini tops. And I forget the exact text, but it was like, and that's where Dale learned discipline. I was like, what the hell? Yeah, I got it in front of me. It's it's actually obedience is what she learns there. Oh, see, I don't have that. Was that just this person's screensaver that came up on the screen? Or that was a picture they sent you? It's a picture they sent us. Oh, okay. Yeah, there is a lot of, the, 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 I mean, I guess this is apparent, but the, the, the people in peril tied up is a big theme. And yeah, that, the, I have a couple of Buck Rogers collections. That's big in that. Wonder Woman obviously had a lot of that going on as well. Oh, that's all Wonder Woman was the first 10 years of its existence. <laughs> they actually, um, going off track, of course, the, the the creator and writer of Wonder Woman, the publishers just got so tired of it. Every plot seemed to revolve around. It's like, well, Diana's in chains. It's like, okay, how about not chains every now and then? That was bound and gagged a minute. No, I don't know, but yeah. yes, that's true. I'm sure that exists already somewhere online, so we'll, we, don't, we don't need to take over that space. But yeah, <laughs> looking at this picture, that is uh, that's actually really cool, the, the Ralphie with Flash Gordon, and that's a very good um, approximation of the old comic strip and serials. I would like to see that. It's a shame that it, obviously no one was worried about Blu-ray extras. <laughs> <laughs> well, while we're uh, talking about things that are outside of this actual movie, but connected. So uh, a couple other tidbits I haven't uh, brought up yet because I was waiting until the Hawkman became more prominent in the movie. But uh, now this is something from the internet, and none of us were alive back in the 30s when Flash Gordon came out. So, you know, we can we can take this or leave this. But according to uh, the internet, the Hawkman provoked controversy when the comic strip first came out because some Christian leaders regarded the characters as blasphemous because they resembled angels. That's blasphemous because they resemble angels? Yes. Or people with wings? Per- hmm. Yes. Hmm. 
Yes. Was Sesame Street under such rigorous looks for their big bird? <laughs> but um well so was it pulled well, i wonder how how it would work then how was there a protest for it was it just spoken of in public gatherings i think you can interpret the word controversy to mean just about anything you know that's true huh i wonder uh, and often i know with cases like that where there is this quote-unquote controversy all of a sudden they end up with a lot of silly rules until the characters become popular or the people protesting get tired of it i, I wonder if there was just a period where the hawkman you know, weren't allowed to fly or something like that, and they just were guys with wings walking around. <laughs> <laughs> Wouldn't that get a lot of the Mothman practitioners up in arms then? Like, that's just mocking the Mothman. <laughs> so is Flash Gordon cutting edge as a comic strip, do you think? Was it considered a kid's comic strip, or was it considered, like, if it's getting attention like that, it was it was maybe zeitgeist of the time, kind of. Was that, because like, I always feel like Dick Tracy was aimed at adults, not kids. Do you think Flash Gordon the strip was as well, or what do you think the demographic was there? Yeah, I'm not sure, but I mean, based on, you know, I mean, if this, if this quote-unquote controversy is true, I mean, the whole, you know, 1950s seduction of the innocent Frederick Wortham thing where, you know, they, they started really coming out against comic books, that was because everybody thought the comics were going to corrupt kids. That's and, true. You know, so yeah. That's how everything was getting, you know, painted in that light. Oh, you know, this is bad for kids, so we need to stop this kind of stuff. I mean, I would imagine that in the 30s and 40s, a comic strip of, you know, a, a dashing guy running around in space was probably aimed at, at the under-20 set. Because <laughs> there was no NASA space program? Is that why? <laughs> no, I... Okay, yeah, so it was it was a kid's thing. I guess maybe that's why the outrage, the unfortunate yeah. misguided outrage. Huh. Yeah, it's... And, you know, there's a... And this continues to today. There's just groups of people who make it their business to be outraged. And I'm not going to name the group because uh, I, don't know, I don't want to drive any traffic to them. But I remember there's just a group who every week they just have a new thing that they post at their site. It's like, this is who you need to protest because they're doing this. And it, everything from they don't, they don't think you should watch the Fosters on a deep cable network because it has a same-sex female couple raising kids. Um, and then everything to, I think it was, um, one of the like higher end burger joints, like a red Robin, uh, advertised that they have a burger called the damn good burger. And they were protesting that. It's like, I can't believe they used the word damn. I was like, yeah, no, I mean, it's, it's unfortunate arrested mindsets. I mean, that, 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 but you're right. I guess to, to need something to protest because you get to be high and mighty when you protest and you get to berate something and put it in its place and deem something not for you. Yeah, it's 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 gross. And I, in comic books, you had mentioned the, the Wortham in the 50s. Comic books have, and comic strips have long, probably sci-fi in general, have long been targets for that. And that's very frustrating for something that encourages imagination, encourages art. Like these things are artistic. Flying Hawkman is a great idea and it draws from archetypes we have. And yeah, it just it's crushing that those things are ignored in the face of just being able to be uh, the talking point for a religion or whatever it is that we're talking about. It's, 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 yeah, that's incredibly frustrating and grotesque. Yeah, and it still goes on. I mean, look at all the stuff with Harry Potter. I mean, look mm-hmm. how look how many protests we went with the whole. Oh, it's witchcraft. You're teaching kids witchcraft, you know. And it's it's they're they're fantasy books, you know, for kids, you know. Yeah, and it's never going to go away. No. It's just it's still continually frustrating because like it's an imaginary thing that's getting kids to read. Right. Exactly. And I'm sure there's some slightly 
skewed zany ideas and whatever it is they practice as well but it's just yeah it's 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 too bad because i think a lot of people either miss their art or wind up i guess we're doing right now talking about this part of it versus the art itself because it's like art should never have to defend itself it just is and to have to defend the story you're telling which is a story with harry potter from what i understand because i haven't read him he's a wizard and he grows up and then it's it's a good arc for kids to follow and kids are reading thousand page books and you're going to berate it because it somehow steps on you know the beliefs that don't go changing for you regardless of this book existing or not yeah it's it's sorry i'm turning this into soapbox minute <laughs> uh yeah uh, hawk people we we're talking hawk people. hawk people and another note uh the creator of hawk man the dc comic character hawk man dennis neville he based hawk man's costume on the hawk men oh Actually, not, not not a shock, but that's awesome to have that kind of connection. Yeah. Very interesting. And uh, Hawkman, a tough character. A, a character who was created a long time ago where flying just seemed like a big deal. And then, but uh, as is always with the uh, you know, flying characters, be it Hawkman in DC or Angel from the X-Men, it's like, okay, you can fly... A lot of other characters that can fly, and they're also really strong, or can have laser vision and stuff. It's like, what else do you got? Well, and also, they don't need wings to fly. I mean, <laughs> Angel and Hawkman, they need their wings to fly. You know, Superman and Storm, they, they, they're just, oh, I think I'll fly now. Yeah, I mean, Storm needs a jet stream. Yeah, but she can create and a good weather channel app. She can create the jet stream herself, though, you know? I mean, Superman needs a whole yellow sun. I mean, that's no <laughs> small object. I, 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 in a way, I think these Hawkmen, they're doing it on their own accord. There's nothing more punk rock than that. It's kind of like safety pins and some wings, and they're off the ground. <laughs> well, it also works well for the Hawkmen because no one else can fly. Uh, and, you know, they're tougher than, they're as tough as everyone else. So they're as tough as everyone else, and they can fly. The problem with Hawkman is, well, there's Superman, Wonder Woman, Green Lantern, uh, Martian Manhunter. They can all fly, and they also also have other abilities. Hawkman is like, I have a mace I can hit people with. It's like, oh, okay. Listen, why don't you stay at the Fortress of Justice and take messages? He's covered in down. He can make pillows and shit. He's a wonderful uh, hero to combat anyone with like severe allergy issues. Yes, <laughs> I mean that that does that that that's always touched upon in the books too, and I think that's a great subpower. Comes up a lot in injustice as well. Yeah, I think he has mites. <laughs> Stay away from him. Makes makes Aquaman look a lot better for being able to talk to those dolphins. It's probably a lot of newspaper in the Hall of Justice, huh? Just laid out, <laughs> just laid out in case he's on watch. How birdie is he feeling? Uh, the only other thing I have is uh, I've always been fascinated by the silver thingies that are hanging down from the ceiling in uh, Hawkman City here. <laughs> and to me, they look like uh, cassette tapes. <laughs> like unspooled cassette tapes? No, like each, oh. each, 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 like each panel has two little bumps in the middle there. So like... I can, you know, like a whole bunch of cassette tapes connected one after the other hanging down. From- well, I guess technology was still kind of real to real at that point. I wonder if it's supposed to be some sort of supercomputer or something in terms of its design. I'm, I'm, I'm not sure because I don't remember quite what, you, what you're mentioning. Uh, they're, they're like, uh, it's part of like, it's, they're almost like drapes or something like that. Oh. Um, but they just kind of look like, they always reminded me of cassette tapes. 
Yeah, uh, and I wonder if that's... Uh, I'm always curious about when they design these sort of things that are supposed to be futuristic or sci-fi. There's a lot of just going around and taking images that you see, so I would love to know what was the inspiration of that. I'm going with, I'm going, I'm going with cassette tapes. <laughs> which, which you know, anyone under the age of 30 right now is like, huh? What? That's See, true. Once upon a time, there was, this, there was a band called Air Supply. And if you wanted to listen to them... Oh, God, that's what I'm going to be playing today, aren't I? All right. Oh, boy. <laughs> well, the minute it does wrap up with some... Um, with uh, They leave the Hawk People's Planet, right? I think there's like a moment of walking down a hallway there, setting up uh, Dale and... Um, Dylan Zarkov. Well, yeah, they're on. They're on come. the Hawkman's planet, Dylan. That is where they're. Okay. Yeah. God, I. Yeah, this movie, I do not remember the plot for. Okay. Yeah, we get to see Dale and Zarkov. They both look great. Uh, every God, the costuming in this movie is so good. Flash, he, he he's, you know, he has that great costume, and it sort of has the lightning bolt on his chest, and very flattering. Um, the Hawkmen look amazing, and Dale and Zarkov look really cool. And um, you know, Dale was sort of stuck with some of the less flattering at- outfits in the beginning of the movie, but uh, now she just looks amazing in that outfit. Um, the costume, all the costume work and the set design in this movie are are, are amazing, and um, is so pleasing to the eye. And uh, I, I love a movie with good inventive costume and set work as i've mentioned before on this show i do have a little bit of a theater background and i know how much effort and how hard it is to design this stuff Uh, it was something that i never had the skill set for uh so i'm real impressed when people do it well and it is well done in this movie and you see it uh in this minute it's a beautiful looking movie i'm just i'm always i've just been amazed with the colors like i think you may have just said this it's very this they just do really um they're very deep colors, like the reds are red, the blues are like it's, it, it's again, it looks ahead of its time, but it also looks of its time, which is as, is as a sentence says nothing. But I just, it just, it still looks very crisp, and some of that might be the transfer, but just it looks like a lot of it could come out now, and I think it would still work. I know it's, it would be looked at as different kind of effects, but no, it's, it's a great looking, just great looking palette of colors and very comic strip. I think that's the thing. It's, it looks very comic book in a way that movies have not been with this new recent crop of comic book movies which i love but this one does look like what i as a kid thought a comic book was very cool i think that's a, a great place to stop um tim this has been amazing we've really enjoyed having you on thank you so much oh thank you this is my first minute by minute podcast and, and you guys are great i enjoyed um i really enjoyed looking at the movie this way it's it's such a again it's always fun to re-watch something a different venue different vantage point and breaking something up minute by minute it definitely does that so thank you both thank you guys i appreciate well, it I, yeah and, and as we said uh back on tuesday's show you know especially coming in at the last minute here with uh you know no notice at all yeah i'm a real champ i mean i had, I had to put a few minutes aside and prepare but other than that I, I, was, I was good i was great thank you one last time can you please share uh where people can find out more about your uh, life as a podcaster Yes, the show is 20th Century Popcast. Um, you can check it out at 20popcast.com. It's got the most recent issues, issues, episodes, past episodes, which a moment ago would have called issues. And um, it's, a, it's a show where we just kind of look at uh, look at how the pop culture from our childhood 
continues to kind of push us forward today like all these different things we grew up with be it gem and the holograms voltron star wars and like that why the ones that still resonate do and what is it that they're kind of pushing us towards so yeah check out 20podcast.com you can learn a little bit more about that very cool uh eric where can people find out about more about flash gordon minute uh you can find out more on facebook in the flash gordon minute listeners vortex brad and i like to hang out there on twitter flash gordon pod and on email flash gordon minute at gmail Eric, this has been another amazing week. Um, as always, I, I, I got to thank you. This is your brainchild, and I'm having such a good time. And, uh, you know, it, this wouldn't happen if not for uh, y- y- your elbow grease into, uh, y- into having all this, uh, all, all this fun and sharing our love of this movie. So, Eric, thank you. You're most definitely welcome because you're, you're the one with the elbow grease that greases all of the reel-to-reel and the splicing of the tape and everything like that that actually gets this stuff out on the air. Yes, I'm the one who lets all those curse words slip through where I get an email from Jar the following day. He's like, hey, somebody said the F word and perhaps you should fix that. <laughs> oh, is this, is, this a, is this a PG show or is it a G, G uh, show? PG-13. PG-13. Okay, so you get one. You get one F-bomb. <laughs> <laughs> We, we have gotten one. <laughs> That's true. I've, I've never said F-bomb. I'm embarrassed by that, but you know what I'm trying to say. Yeah, this is uh, a lot of fun. Uh, we're having such a great time. But uh, I just, I just, I got some breaking news, Eric, and uh, it, it just puts a little bit of a pall over over my evening. Oh, Flash Gordon Minute exclusive breaking news. Yeah, breaking news. As we've been talking, my uh, phone lit up with an... Uh, the news that they are doing a spinoff of the canceled Roseanne show, The Connors, for next year. Now, by the time this episode comes out, this will be old news. But yeah, uh, this j- literally just happened. And uh, that means that Roseanne show will continue in a form without the character Roseanne. But that just means no show is ever going to end again. Because they keep bringing them back. And I don't want to live in a world where, you know, according to Jim, is going to have, like, uh, going to come back again for another ten episodes. Well, if you're concerned about having flashbacks to the Hogan family uh, popping into your living room, or uh, Archie's Place, or whatever that uh, show is called, or, hell, even Frasier, don't worry about it. Flash will save every one of us. Thanks for joining us, listeners. Coming up next week, we're joined by fellow sci-fi podcaster Sam from the Deep Space Nine Reopening the Wormhole podcast. Incredible adventures await you here on Flash Gordon Minute.
So.